Yes, my people, it's your boy K the Infinite. Welcome to the Infinite Man podcast, where we're going to be diving deep into all things art, spirituality, and personal development. Make sure you hit that like, make sure you hit that follow, and let's get into today's episode. So, yes, people, welcome to the Infinite Man podcast. It's your boy K the Infinite. And today we have a very special guest, our first guest. Uh, introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. So my name is Deja Jovan, all the way from Chicago. Um, I am, right. <laughs> uh, I'm an artist. I like to paint. I, my medium is acrylic. Um, let's see, what else can I say about myself? I, I will say that I'm a pre-licensed therapist. I'm in my last year of grad school. So woo-woo to that too, because I cannot wait to be completely finished and done. And I'm specializing in sex therapy and um, what else? I'm a boss. I own Unladylike, which is a art and mental health business in which we, um, we have like different um, events like puff paint pads for those who are cannabis friendly, as well as like our exhibitions, our mental health events and workshops, including like yoga meditation circles and also more educational uh, workshops as well. Uh, so that's a little snippet about what I do. Oh, there's more. I'm also a research assistant too. <laughs> I'm a research assistant. <laughs> yeah, you know, I try to like squeeze it in, but yeah, research, research assistant. Um, studying the uh, experiences of sexually liberated Black women. So that's been interesting as well, too. And don't mind the smoke. I got, like, my incense going, and it's just heading my way. <laughs> Your house is something. on fire, no? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh-uh, I don't want to be responsible for that. I live in a high-rise with too many people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's start off with what what is your sun, moon, and rising? Oh, okay. So I'm a Virgo sun, Taurus moon, and Gemini rising. Okay. What's your big three? Um, Taurus sun, uh, Cancer moon, and Leo rising. Okay. Yeah. I can see yeah. that. You can see it. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. <laughs> Which part? Oh, my Venus is in Libra too. If that, if you, okay. that's the, the the love, the beauty, the relationship that that's in Libra. So, okay, okay. So, what's your thoughts on using astrology in dating? I, I, for me, I think it really uh, comes down to the whole birth chart. Like, yes, we have information on like our sun signs. And I remember even back in the past, like I used to do like those compatibility, compatibility. I can't even talk. But you know what I'm talking about, where <laughs> yeah. you match up your sun signs with somebody else and it tells you whether or not you're compatible with somebody. Um, so I used to do that a lot. And that it was it was really significant to me at that point in time. But um, kind of growing more into my spirituality and seeing like how all of these different planet rulings and um, placement settings really uh, just describe and 
you know, just describe how a person is or like where they're going in life. I think it, it gets much more deeper than that. And I think like if you are into like the whole birth chart itself, I think it will really help in that capacity. But as far as just like um, limiting it to just like your sun sign or just like the big three and stuff, like although you can get some useful information out of it, um, you could most likely you can go deeper than just that. Okay. Okay. So would you say you have to have compatible? So what's more important? Is it your Venus or is it your sun? Hmm. I would say Venus oh. just because that planet like rules that, but then like your sun is like, your sun is like your ego. Like, yeah, of course. So, so that could also play a part in it as well, but I wouldn't just solely just compare one sign. I would kind of, um, do multiple signs. I actually got this book too. It's like this big book on astrology that really breaks down uh, each planet and the characteristics that uh, go along with it. So I think that's been a little helpful too, just uh, getting some some type of information about like whoever it is that I'm dating, um, just so I can have a general idea. But then I, I don't really um, way too much into it like I still want to experience it for myself and to not go into it with any like prejudgments like I want to see like how this person is because you know I think that also matters as well like whether the person is um doing some self-healing and recognizing some of the the trauma and patterns that occurred in their uh, life and doing that work and putting forth that effort to be a better like communicator, a better lover or whatever the case may be. I think that is also important as well too. So although like sometimes I do, you know, make jokes and stuff about people <laughs> and there's times I like, oh, okay. Like, you know, you were Sagittarius or, oh, you know, it's just all in fun to me. Like I, I do it uh, just out of fun. I'm, Although, like, I don't know. I just try not to to go into it, like, seriously. Like, I want to, like, get to know the person just for themselves first. And then I was like, okay, that makes sense because this is what I, I learned about this sign or this is what I learned about this certain placement. Okay. Interesting. What about you? Like, what's your experience with it? You know what? Like, I feel like sun sign compatibility is important um but i feel like women play out their their star sign a bit more than men so okay. i feel, yeah i feel like when when um because once you learn about your sign you start to adopt those traits i feel like people adopt it more after they've um after they've like looked into it so mm. sometimes they use it as a crutch, you know. So I'm a Scorpio, so I'm going to be more dark and mysterious. Or I'm a Sagittarius, mm. so I'm going to be a terrorist, you know. <laughs> why Why does Sagittarius always get that terrorist label, though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the funny I'm bunch. That is funny, but that's so true. I can definitely agree with you on that because, um, and even to the extent where people use that as an like excuse for their like bad behaviors too, like oh my Gemini way and stuff. This is why I'm like that. But you know you're like this, so why don't you choose to do better? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's all right. about choices. 
100%. And, you know, you have to be accountable. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a very important part. Um, yeah. But seeing as we started on spirituality, like, uh, I, I was going to start on your career, but let's start with uh, spirituality. So uh, we've spoken before about, like, um, exalting the ancestors, etc. So tell me a bit about how you got into that. Right. Okay. How did I get into it? That's a good question. Because I feel <laughs> like everything just slowly started like coming together. Even like from my experience of meeting you when I was over abroad too, like that definitely uh, played a part into like my spirituality and connecting a lot of the dots that, um, that weren't previously connected. It was just a lot of fragment information that I was receiving um, in general and just like like that whole Kabbalah book that you recommended, like that definitely helped glue some pieces together. Mm. So with that, just adding more to it and just really connecting those dots. So I think I really got into, um, when did I start setting up like my altar? I feel like I started setting up my altar last year. And yeah, it was, I don't even think it was before then. I know it was before I, I moved into this apartment. I can't remember the timeline on that, but um, I just wanted to start learning more about um, like my ancestry, my personal ancestry, and how to honor them, and um, how to create like a, a ancestral altar and give offerings and talking to my ancestors. Like um, I didn't really realize. Wait, Just, did you knock your mic? Huh? No, your mic went off for a second. Oh, oh, what was the last thing I said? <laughs> no. Oh, I was saying. Yeah, carry on. Okay, I was saying that I didn't really realize that I was like spiritually gifted until maybe like the past couple of years where I started to just, I feel more, like I, I really felt more and um, at times it would be a little scary, a little unfamiliar because I didn't have a community of people to talk to about any of the things that were going on with me, um, some of the things I was experiencing. So during those times, like I did like use substances to kind of cover up and suppress those um, gifts and stuff. But after kind of realizing like, okay, this is a gift, like let me like use it more, let me connect more, let me mm -hmm. connect with my ancestors. like. Um, and just talk to them more. And I started seeing how things started changing. Um, I kind of got gotten away from organized religion and just diving more into spirituality, learning more about uh, and my ancestors and just uh, spirit guides in general. And like, who's there like to, you know, to help me, who's watching and all of that. So now I just like have daily ongoing conversations and stuff with my ancestors. Um, okay. and I, yeah, I think it just happened like little bit by bit. Like I can't really remember like the significant like change and that it's just like the more, uh, knowledge I was accumulating, the more it made sense to me, the more, um, I've noticed how a lot of, of especially like black people have gotten away from that right. in general and, um, me trying to just reconnect with it and just honor my ancestors. Okay. So when you say they speak back, what do you normally hear? Well, 
I, I really just feel it and then I just see stuff. So I didn't auditorily hear stuff until maybe like a few months ago. And it's not always consistent either. So like the the first time that I, I really started to notice like their presence is just uh, through signs, like different signs, whether it's out in nature and then I'm noticing like an animal or a bird or something coming up to me during the time and need. And then I look up the symbolism regarding that or mm-hmm. whether like I remember I was burning a candle. <laughs> I remember I was burning a candle on my altar and this never happened before. And still to this day, it has not happened again. But I have one of those tea light candles, the little small ones. And in the middle of the night, it had to be like around two, three in the morning. The whole thing just engulfed in flames. And I was like, what? Because I woke up out of my sleep because I just noticed that my room was much brighter than it was before. And I'm glad I did because I didn't want anything to get set on fire, <laughs> especially, you know, <laughs> I'm in there asleep too. But um, I had to record it because I'm like, the way the flame and stuff was moving, I was like, okay, who's here? Like, who's right. here with yeah. me now? Like, what what messages are you trying to give me and all of that uh, sort it wasn't until I started really accepting and and just uh, being more receptive to the messages that I, I actually, like, saw a spirit one time, like, when I was out in Sedona, Arizona, um, okay. which is a, a nice, like, spiritual place to go. Like, I would definitely recommend that if, if anybody is in the States, like, go to Sedona. It's so beautiful. Um, and, and then I started hearing my name. So okay. I hear my name, you know, and... In two different voices at first, like I heard, the first time I heard it was uh, a female's voice. And it wasn't like a voice I recognized, but it was something that was um, not scary, but a bit soothing. Like, as if like I'm, I probably know who it is, but I just can't identify it at the time. And then, uh, then I heard a male voice like the following week. And I'm like, okay, like I'm not, I'm not losing my mind. This is this is really a thing. <laughs> and then I actually, I did a a little hoodoo spell that my friend recommended to me, trying to get the the gallery space that we got for Unladylike. And I think I did like wind up conjuring uh, up a, a spirit that night because I did a little sex magic unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it wanted up being and I actually heard uh, another voice like that time like saying my name and I'm like and I thought it was an actual person because it was in like the living room and at the time I had roommates but it was like super late at night and I'm like no my roommates are asleep because they have to wake up pretty early to to go to work so I know it's nobody out here and I don't think it's their boyfriends because it's a weekday and they're usually not here on the weekdays and um yeah, no, I went back out to the living room. I'm like, okay, no, that that was that was spirit. Hey, Martha, because <laughs> <laughs> I was I had lit a a Martha the Dominator uh, candle, a seven day candle, to okay. go along with the ritual okay. that I did. Who's Martha the Dominator? Um, so she tends to like dominate situations. So. Uh, especially for like the working people dominate uh, situations like with your boss or like if it's in like a woman um, dominating like a a man, you know, that has like too much control over her and stuff like that. So um, in this case, I was trying to dominate the situation of 
uh, us obtaining this gallery because we just kept getting a lot of no's and stuff. So I'm like, okay, no, we finally found the space that we are totally in love with. And we are still getting met with these challenges, these obstacles and stuff like, no, like, how can I like, boom, like dominate the, the situation. And um, I was working at a crystal shop. So the, the resident tarot reader there uh, recommended, like he gave me like a little hoodoo spell to, to do, uh, to kind of help out with that. And it actually did work too. Like it took two days and that's when I found out like, boom, we got the gallery. And I was like, wow, like, thank you Marcus, <laughs> to make sure that I uh, provided offerings to her like every Tuesday. Cause that's, that's her day. Right. Right. They say with magic, you should um, respect when the results come your way. You know, and um, I think it's very important to give thanks to your ancestors or to your God when things are, are going your way. And even when things aren't going your way, uh, I feel it's very important. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Not to only just go to them during the bad times, but also, like you said, to thank them and honor them in the good times as well. Right. hundred percent. hundred percent. Okay, so you mentioned a bit about um, sex magic. Now, most people will not know what sex magic is. Obviously, people have heard of Tantra, etc. Would you classify that as sex magic? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Like, it, it's all connecting, right? Like, you're, like Tantra, either it's with yourself or with your partner or partners. But um, it's all about just connecting and just being present, being mindful, of the situation, just taking in all of your senses and just being appreciative, like of the moment, appreciative of your body. If it's just with you and yourself, um, and also like your your partner appreciating their bodies and stuff, and you know providing pleasure that way as well. It's a very um, connecting practice where you just like you practice mindfulness and are not like focused on any big expectations of. Um, delivering because I feel like that is really saturated a lot in in the sex culture in the the media in porn all of that performance is definitely something that is stressed in that um, stress and that stresses people out especially men because they feel like they have to perform and even women like they're expecting the performance but like when you get outside of that it's outside of your head and just really just connect with the person, listen to the person, find what's pleasurable for you for or for uh, the other person. And, you know, just not think that you know everything because everybody's body is different. So what works for one person may not work for somebody else. And um, that's something I think I think that's part of ego. I, I really think that is like part of ego right. is where we think that we just know everything and know how to pleasure a woman's body when in reality, like all of our bodies are made differently. We have uh, different sensations. What works for one won't work for another. And, you know, uh, with with Tantra like that, you're removing that. You're completely removing that and you're just like zoning in on what is pleasurable. And I, I really like that. Okay. Okay. And manifestation too. Like it really helps like <laughs> the orgasming, the, the you know, the, that's a, a really high point where 
you can uh, just use that time to manifest because like you're, mm. you know, it's creative energy, sexual energy is creative energy. And with that, you can use that to create whatever it is that you want to manifest. So I think that, and then to do it alone and with a partner too, like, I think that is amazing time to do that, especially partners. Like that's like twice as much energy. like manifesting power right. of energy in that. So. Yeah. And um, I guess this kind of leads on to what is a sex therapist and what and why did you want to become one? Okay. So, yeah. So sex therapist. Um, and, you know, sometimes like I, I don't find myself telling people that that's what I'm specializing in, especially if it's somebody that I'm interested in dating, because like I feel like the automatic notion is that um, I'm here to provide sexual services for you. <laughs> right, <laughs> of course. Or, <laughs> or like in, in any way, shape or form. And no, that's not it. Like if you think of a sex therapist, think of a regular a therapist, like for one, like, you know, somebody who addresses trauma, addresses um, whatever presenting issue that comes up for that specific person, the reason why that they decided to seek a therapist in general, but sex related. Um, so it can, it could encompass a lot of things. And there's this like model, it's like, it's called Plicit model. And um, like P stands for permission. So giving yourself permission to uh, talk about the things that you're afraid to talk about with other people or um, talk about different kinks and, and pleasure that you want to uh, try out. Um, LI stands for limited information. So like giving out some helpful tools and information, some resources that go along with that and um, specific su suggestions is the SS. And that, that is like the advice that's uh, tips that is like working either with couples or by yourself, you know, just giving suggestions to help out the client and whatever that may be, you know, whatever it could be. It could be a variety of things, you know, it's very like sexuality is very broad. And mm -hmm. then um, the difference is because that plus that I described, that is something that sex coaches and um educators and stuff that they tend to focus on those areas but with sex therapy sex therapy you have the placid with the it stands for intensive therapy so now you're moving into uh areas where if there was like trauma that happened that occurred to you as a child that occurred to you and at any point in your life, whether it's like sexual abuse, whether it's um, self-esteem, body issues, whether it's generational trauma, whatever the case may be, that is deeper than um, what can be explained using the first few letters of that model. That is what sex therapy is. So it encompasses all of that. And um, I wanted to study it. Originally, I, I actually... I never thought I would be in this place right now, to be honest. Right. Like, I, um, in college, like, I changed my major three times <laughs> um, because I was just unsure of what it was that I wanted to do and what I felt passionate about. But my, uh, I wound up getting my degree in um, psychology. And right. I really loved that. I really loved studying the mind. I really loved learning about behaviors and also social situations as well. And um, unbeknownst, like, I, I didn't really realize, too, that I also 
um, was interested in, in just relational aspects, like just relationships with people. This is something that I really never looked into, but it was just something that was always on my mind, like the conversations that I would have with um, groups of women or even men too at that. I was talking about relationships. So um, moving forward, after that, I did, after I graduated, I did decide to take like a gap year. Um, and that's when I went to Spain to teach English to kind of um, get an idea of what it is that I, I would like to do when I get back to the States, because I know I didn't automatically want to just jump into a job and um, just start working and paying off loans and stuff like that, because that <laughs> was, you know, to come right after that. So um, that time out there really helped me to dive deeper into the arts because at the time, like I was a, a, a writer, like I like writing poems and short stories and I love journaling, just, uh, you know, a very introspective Virgo. And, yeah, of course. Right. The overthinkers. <laughs> the overthinkers, right. You know, I got to write everything down, make it make sense. And just like, right. okay, you know, um, but I started drawing and stuff out there and I found that to be therapeutic. And um, I started looking up like careers and stuff. I, I started Googling like art and mental health or art in this. And then I saw that there was a, a career like art therapy. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, um, so fast forward, I came back to the States and um, I got a job as a community support specialist. And what that means is I was basically a therapist. I was a case manager. I was Uber at times. Like <laughs> um, I was out in the community really trying to help people out with whatever situation that they had going on, whether I had to um, advocate for them in the hospital setting or medical setting. Um, because these are people that have severe mental illness or substance use. So sometimes they, they would need that extra support. Um, so during my time in that position, and because it was in the community, I had to work in their homes. I um, I witnessed like a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, just dysfunction when it came to when it came to uh, family and then when it came to relationships. And for some reason, too, and this is, like I said, this is part of the gift that I didn't realize that, you know, I had within me because I worked in a team setting. Um, I was always the person when we had the meetings come back with information uh, regarding like some trauma that the client dealt with and why they're behaving the way it is. So, like, I kind of added that missing piece into um, the client's like profile and why they're be why they're behaving like this, like why they are triggered and why they're in crisis and stuff and and right. stuff um, outside of just providing resources. Uh, like everybody had their strong point and that was that was mine. And so I noticed that within myself and I'm like, okay, well I, I like to do this. Like I really like helping people. Um but and I really felt called to just really work with relationships. Mm. Um because I just saw a lot of dysfunction and then I'm seeing as these people are reproducing and having kids, how that is being passed on to them and how they are raising the kids and stuff. And, you know, sometimes a lot of times it was like heartbreaking to see some of the, the patterns um, being repeated that way and then trying to offer some type of hope, motivation, some 
um, some something, you know, some resources to to get them into counseling to talk about some of the trauma that they experience. And mm. I'm like, well, why can't I just do this myself without having to add all of the extra um, stuff into it? Like, you know, me being Uber and all of the stuff that's, you know, <laughs> not something that I was really interested in doing. I just want to uh, solely focus just on the mind, the mindset and uh, working relationships. So originally I wanted to go into uh, marriage and family therapy and um, specialize in sex therapy because of a lot of the sexual trauma that my clients was experiencing and to help them uh, overcome those experiences as well as uh, promote pleasure as well. Because especially as as Black people, we Mm -hmm. tend to just sit in suffering Right. We sit in suffering and we feel like we don't deserve pleasure. So that was something that I uh, wanted to also promote as well is that, you know, we deserve pleasure. We deserve uh, to have agency over our bodies and to, you know, um, consent. Like that, that was a big thing for me with consent. Like, you know, I've experienced times where consent wasn't given uh, the people that I work with same thing so that that became like just a big thing like how can we have more pleasurable experiences um with just giving consent and without triggering somebody without re-traumatizing somebody from an experience that they might have dealt with like in the past so um that's how I kind of landed into like the whole sex therapy okay so with sexual trauma um, what do you find to be the best or what have you studied or found to be the best way to get over certain sexual traumas? Um, I remember a girl that I dated had been, um, um, assaulted by one of her uncles and it, it meant that she wouldn't do certain, um, sexual acts because it just gave her flashbacks of that situation. So what do you find has been the best ways to get over certain traumas? Yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's a good one. I, I really think empowerment. Overall, I think empowerment is a good way of trying to overcome that trauma. But first, there are like many steps leading up into that. And that could be acknowledging what went on with you. Like sometimes we suppress those things, you know, because we don't want to re-experience them. We don't want to um, think about like what happened to us. Um, Sometimes just finding the support, maybe finding a group of people, support group with people who have dealt with some of the traumas and just finding that you're not alone in the case is also empowering. Um, There's like a lot of things that I, I would, specifically say depending on the person but I think the the bigger goal I think empowerment is like the person can find some type of empowerment through their situation some resiliency knowing that you know that was just an experience that that happened to me and no it was not right and no I'm not saying like that's okay but I'm giving myself permission to uh try to experience sex in a in a more pleasurable way where you know like I said like we're not re-traumatizing people or like triggering um, people in that way. And it, it could take a while. It's, it's not something that happens overnight at all. Like it, it takes time, it takes a lot of support. It takes giving yourself grace at that too, because 
there may be times where we may revert back to the behavior that we once, um, you know, came from. But just right. having that self-awareness to not <clears throat> stay in it, like, you know, just picking yourself up and knowing that there is better, that there are people out there that will truly appreciate your body for um, who and what it is. And maybe even um, not in that specific situation where you talked about the uncle, but like if there was um, some type of relational pattern that you know you kept attracting the same person like what is that like what is that about that mm-hmm. specific person or myself that I keep like being drawn to this uh this particular person if that is the case where like you're attracting you know the same type of people um it, it takes a lot of self-awareness a lot of support I would say community is a a, a real um medicine like I, th- I think that is a good yeah, medicine. Remedy. yeah. Right. okay and i guess there's been a sexual revolution of sorts happening especially I, I feel like it's happening with black women like black women are feeling more empowered to feel comfortable in their bodies you know to feel to feel that they are allowed to be um like kind of shed the layers of religious programming that say you can't be a sexual being. Um, what do you feel like, how do you feel religion has played in dampening or bringing down the sexuality of women? Yeah. So I think religion, I think uh, oppression, all of that kind of like lends hand in hand, like especially if you think about like the stereotypes of black people in general, um, since you're talking about black women, I'm, I'm thinking about the the uh, stereotypes, the tropes of like the Jezebel, like right. somebody who is like too loose, too too loose, too sexual, hypersexualized, or like uh, the mammy character where um, Black woman is desexualized and not seen as a, a sexual being and stuff. And I think like those different or like welfare welfare mother as well, like somebody is having a lot of kids and uh, relying on government assistance and stuff and not having the father in the home. Like these mm-hmm. different types of tropes and stuff have not been defined by Black people at all. They've been defined by everybody but Black people. And that is a way to just keep us down, to keep us from not liberating, uh, to be our best selves, our best sexual selves, and allowing us to um, sit and suffer, like we talked about in religion. I think that does like play a role in it as well, especially because I believe like the, the Bible uh, can be used subjectively. So mm-hmm. You know, it could be used in, in different terms depending on like who is relaying the message. And um, because, you know, you're kind of tapping into like spiritual beliefs and stuff like that, it holds weight with a lot of people where it's just seen as um, dirty or negative or you shouldn't um, condone this type of sex or, you know, like I, I think it does like kind of suppress those those inner desires that we wish to sometimes like bring out of us right. hey, what's your what's your thoughts on religion i'm like um real curious <laughs> well, I know, and then even like men too with black men like what's your like opinion on that um, i feel like black men have a lot of pressure to perform sexually because we're obviously seen as the top of the food chain there's pressure to have like you know uh 
a 10-inch piece and just drill any woman, you know, and, like, it's, it's, it's interesting because it can lead to a lot of body dysmorphia in a sense, in a, and especially se sexually. Um, I feel like the image of black men in porn doesn't help. You know, like, um, even porn is a whole discussion in itself. So, yeah. We'll, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But um, I feel like religion, religion initially was a way of, of making spirituality regimented, you know. So, so okay, on Monday I'm going to do this. Tuesday I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray five times a day. I'm going to pray on Sunday. I'm going to pray before I eat. So that was initially where it is. But then it became a form of control. You know, mm. how, how people, because there's hierarchies. And when there's hierarchies, people are going to abuse it, you know. Um, so I feel like the hierarchies have abused their power and they rob people of their natural urges, you know, or the urges are still there, but people aren't allowed to act upon them. You know, I, funnily enough, I read the Satanic Bible. I'm not sure if you've read it before. No. <laughs> what did you get from it? Like, what you learned? So what I got from it is that it, it opposes or it, prom it promotes that you should tap into your natural human urges. So sex being one of those drives or eating or wh whatever pleasure. So you should tap into what makes, gives you pleasure. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously there needs to be a balance, but you know, you need to understand that. Um, if you're always denying yourself pleasure, you're going to develop some sort of complexes and traumas, etc. you know? So there has to be there has to be a balance between pleasure and restriction, you know. And then we talked yeah. about the power of Kabbalah as well, the the book, and that talks about restriction. But it doesn't talk about not having pleasure. It's about making sure that you're balancing your pleasure and and um, restricting when it gets too much. Yeah. I can I can see that. I can um, definitely agree with that. I think um, what it sounds like the satanic Bible is a bit more humanizing right. in, in human experiences and just like our uh, natural desires, our natural urges. Um, and yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, and I think that should be practice more is it's humanizing people because we, we tend to demonize them. We tend to um, just really ridicule or criticize people for uh, their certain lights and stuff, their, their different kinks, their um, mm -hmm. pleasures. But this is something that gives somebody joy, somebody pleasure and stuff. And at the same time, you know, it's like we're, we're demonizing them because of religion. And that's not, you know, if you really look at it like that's not love, that's not light at all um, to do that right. to judge in that way like it's not up to us to to judge people for it uh the things that they are into and stuff is you know and that that's part of like that sex negative like culture right right but i guess on the on the flip side do you feel like 
there can be too much sex positivity um, because uh, a lot of, or the idea is that when you've gone through sexual trauma, that's what leads you to become like a sex worker or to become very promiscuous. And do you feel that's a bad thing or do you feel that it's, it's, a, it's caused by sexual trauma? Um, I think, I think it varies for people like sex work. It can be, if you break it down into like more specific categories, like I don't, I don't think that's the case for everybody. I think there is like empowerment and being a sex worker. Um, and I've learned from just sex workers themselves who are trying to fight for their rights and stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. to be treated as like an actual, um, you know, like being treated like an actual job and stuff and get like some type of benefit, some protection um, right. against them, uh, for them and stuff like that. I think in those cases, um, I don't think, you know, maybe trauma, I don't know the, their personal history. And I don't think mm-hmm. like in those cases that trauma has inflicted them to uh, become a sex worker. And in that case, like I think some people just enjoy to do it just to, to do it. Like I followed like this one um, Instagrammer and I think she calls herself like the healing hope. So she's like spiritual, but she's also like a sex worker as well. She used her her um, sexuality as a healing tool, which, it, you know, sex work has always been around like for centuries and stuff. And you can even see it like in the past, like it being used for um, healing, like healing of soldiers and stuff like that. Like sex has been used in, in, in that way. Um, sometimes sex work can boil down to like survival, like whether you have to um, provide some type of service because you can't, you know, get a job anywhere else. Uh, like, you know, that it's just not possible uh, for you in that regards, but you still have to find some way to put food on your table. You still, and you may not want to like do sex work, but that's like something that's like survival. But then like I said, on, on the flip side, you have people who do it just for like the, uh, their enjoyment doing it as like a service like a work and then you also have people who are being trafficked so i think we can kind of break it down to those categories and just not treat all sex workers like as if like um you know they've just been traumatized as a kid in some cases they, they probably have you know been some trauma like you know i'm not eliminating that at all um so i am not sure i can't really speak for everybody who goes into sex work but i think like it does like there is some empowerment to it there's people who are out there who you know do it for their livelihood just because they want to you know that's a that's something they enjoy to do they find like sexual pleasure in it and like pleasing um people and teasing people and doing whatever (laughs) it is that they're doing like um, financial domination yeah, yeah, financial <laughs> domination, psychological domination. Like, there's different types of uh, fits and molds when it comes to like sex work, and um, and I, I don't think it all comes from trauma. I think it can be, but I don't think it all does. Okay, okay, now that's a deep topic. Um, yeah, yeah, we'd be here all day, you know, because there's so much <laughs> to talk about. Um, yeah, porn. What are your thoughts on it? Porn. <laughs> I, lately, though, I've been really fucking with uh, Twitter porn. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they got some good pages there, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, honestly, like like we uh, talked about before that high expectation of performance and stuff. I think that really um, because we we don't tend to have adequate sex education growing up. Not everybody's had like good sex education. It's usually in a um, a fear based lens, like you know protection, STDs, like all of this stuff. We don't talk about pleasure. We don't talk about consent. We don't talk about like some of these big things that I feel like should be incorporated into uh, mm-hmm. to sex education, even though it's, it could be a controversial topic for like parents to be like, oh, I don't want my kid to learn about pleasure and stuff. But at the same time, I think it's a good idea because you don't want your child also to be hurt like when they do get into sexual situations. So right. they rely on external factors such as porn, media, music and stuff to uh, kind of educate them on how they should have sex, like uh, what, you know, different different positions or like what what to expect out of sex and porn isn't realistic like it's scripted it's not well not all of it you know like the homemade ones and the uh you know those aren't uh, but the more scripted kinds the 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 ones where like the, the girls are like screaming to the top of their lungs and stuff yeah, like that yeah, yeah. and like ah like you know just don't, don't <laughs> stuff. and then like you get into a sexual situation with somebody and then that's not the case and now you looking like, okay, like what, what's going on and stuff? Because this is not what I'm seeing on porn. Right. Like, you know, so I think like I have myself like gravitated towards like the Twitter porn because I know it is more consensual. It's more like people are putting, um, you know, more effort into it to personalize more uh, real to me. It's more real. It's not um, too fake or like mm. too, you know, Whatever, like it's a little bit more realistic to me. Um, you right. know, I didn't even see like the the POV, the point of view shots and stuff like that. Like the, it's more real, but um, I think porn can be detrimental in the fact where like if if mm. that's all you base your sexual practice off of porn, I think that can be detrimental in the fact that when you finally do get with people and you're not being attentive to their body, you're not listening to what they like, and you're just doing things based on what, what you saw in porn. Right. Um, you know, and then you wonder why, like, the person isn't pleasure or, you know, they're not coming back for round two and stuff like that. Like, you're, right. you're wondering why you shift blame to the other person when, in reality, you gotta look at, like, what's te- who's teaching you? Like, what's what is it that's who giving me these ideas? <laughs> so right. yeah, I think porn yeah. can be detrimental in, in that way. Mm. And the art of masturbation, do you think that is detrimental or positive? Positive, yes. Like I'm, I'm a, big, <laughs> a big advocate for masturbation. I think uh, I think it's important to to masturbate and learn your own body, to learn what you like and stuff. So you can be able to clearly communicate that to your partner um, when you do get into a situation um, and you find yourself not liking something and then you can just adjust. Like you just say, okay, well, you know, try this or something like that. Like, you know, because you know your body well enough to, um, you know, you know what your body likes, you know what turns you on, you know what you like. Um, So I think. I, I think I'm an advocate for like masturbation. I feel like that's a, a great way to get to know yourself. So get mm-hmm. great way to if you want to incorporate some sex magic, like once you get to the point of orgasming and you want to like do some manifestation at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm definitely an advocate for it. And 
I think too, um, I think uh, I think there is a big mis- misconception, especially when it comes to uh, women and masturbating, that like if they masturbate too much, that um, you know they is going to lose uh, sensitivity, and that oh, right. that that's actually not the case at all. It actually, you know, it produces like more arousal uh, within that area, more lubrication, more you know, just desire for for more. I feel like you know, and then with women, like you can have um, multiple orgasms. So it's not like masturbating will just like decrease that at all. all. Like I think, although I do think there can be such thing as too much masturbation, I think that kind of talks about what you talked about earlier about finding the balance and like Mm -hmm. um, enjoying the pleasure and like restriction. I think if it's, um, if you're in a place where it is, causing some type of distress in your your work life and your personal life because mm-hmm. you have to masturbate all the time, then yeah, okay, you know, <laughs> maybe lighten up a little bit right. <laughs> on, on that. But, but no, like I, I'm, I'm definitely an um, advocate for, for masturbation. Okay, okay. Well, um, I know for men, like, there's the no-fat movement. Um, and I guess... Oh, yeah, like, what, what's that about? Yeah, basically, no, no, no porn, no masturbation, um, because it's seen as unearned pleasure. It's mm. like you have to earn, as a man, you have to earn your pleasure. Um, and I feel like there's some good, there's some good in it because, um, on one hand, you're training your brain to think that a screen is your partner gotcha okay yeah 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 so it's like some disconnection there like between like real life situations and what you know you're seeing on the screen yeah precisely precisely and it can give you certain expectations and um potentially lead to um what's it called uh ped what is it erectile dysfunction Gotcha. Right, right. So this is something that I had where I would I would not be able to climax. Mm, okay. Yeah, and this is from over from using porn too much. Or oh, that's what I think that's what I think it was from anyway. You know. So okay, so when you say climax, like for you, is it just uh the feeling, the sensation of like the orgasm or is it actually ejaculation? Um ejaculation. Okay. Cause like I have you heard? I know you probably did like that, like semen retention and stuff. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. Like I want. Does that have something to do with it too? And just like a man's like life force, because that that is like they and why they get so drained and stuff after ejaculating. So is that like no no fat movement also kind of lends towards some of that too, possibly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. In terms of spiritual sense, keeping keeping your energy flowing. Um, and you know, keeping your life force in is, is if you, if you read a book called the cultivation of masculine sexual energy by Mantak Chia. Um, yeah, I did like skimming. I think you sent it to me. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. 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 So, um, that talks about how semen retention definitely allows you to live a longer life and live a more vital life. 
Um, but then different people have different opinions. Um, yeah. Some people say to live a vital life, you need to be having um, orgasms and ejaculation um, frequently. So I don't know what the scientific evidence is, which would be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's a very, it's a very um, tricky area. I feel like sex with women is obviously better than masturbation. So you need to, you know, balance, <laughs> restrict yourself. And you can get lazy. You can get lazy like, oh, I'll bust my nuts so I don't need to go and, you know, find a partner. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it there's there's a lot of different curves to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can I see that. I think, I think, and I think, like, for women, the reason why they can have, like, multiple orgasms stuff because, like, that's not necessarily their life force that they're losing through those orgasmic times. Like, their right. life force when she is more so the menstruation. Right, stuff, yeah. The penis, and that's when we get, like, super tired and drained and stuff. So mm -hmm. I, can, I can see, like, how that could be the case. But then also, like you said, I haven't heard the flip side of it also being... Um, vital into like longevity as well. Like, hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, there's the no fat movement, the no fat movement. Um, what else did I want to talk about? Because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, polygamy. What's your thoughts? <laughs> polygamy or polyamory? Polyamory. Both. Um. I think, you know, that's what people choose to do. Like, I, I don't have any, like, specific judgments or anything towards it. I think, you know, it's just a, a lifestyle that is often misunderstood by people. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think, really, the misunderstanding kind of boils down to some um, security issues. Like, really, like, you know, because I, I feel like in polyamorous situations like if you still have normal human emotions like there are still times from what I've heard uh from polyamory um you know polyamorous people that you know there is some feelings of like jealousy sometimes if like right. not none of um attention is is being spent and all of these other deterrents even like legally to like um being you know, married and, and getting like benefits, like that's not the case too, like for, for every um, probably amorous couple, uh, couple, or whatever you may want to like call it. But um, I think, I think it's one of those things that is very misunderstood. I think it happens more than we know about it mm -hmm. um, because you may, you know, have somebody that has like a, a real good friend around a real good auntie that it, that accompanies like the the couple and stuff like that like you know if, from a perspective of a child and stuff like that right. but uh it, it's something that's um normal i believe like you know i think it's a lifestyle that gets whatever like your preference is i think it's possible to be in a polyamorous relationship with people as well as a monogamous one depending on uh, what it is that you prefer and i even think like a lot of people who end up in monogamous situations and find themselves like in uh serious like you know an extra 
affairs or or serial considered serial cheaters and stuff like you know they probably should look into some polyamory but um i I think like communication is the the biggest like takeaway from that like i think like they like have to have awesome communication when it comes to um their relationship and just making sure that people's feelings are being attended to even through those times where jealousy might be presented or whatever the case may be um you know, I think it's it's just a, a little community of of people, mm-hmm. and you know, it works for some. It, it doesn't work for everybody. I think like the harm in it just really comes from the lack of knowledge, like the the ignorance and um, not wanting to learn more about the the lifestyle and to just like present whatever judgment or world beliefs that you were accustomed to into somebody else's uh, relationship. Mm, mm. Mm. yeah like obviously in africa no not even in africa just in olden times as well like um polyamory and polygamy were common Mm -hmm. but a tweet i saw recently said that we need to stop centering male pleasure in polyamory and polygamy so i'm not Mm. sure what do you think about that because most of the time when you hear about um, polyamory and polygamy is always always a man with multiple girlfriends or multiple wives rather than a woman with multiple boyfriends yeah you know what and that, that's real interesting because that is what what is often being portrayed and I've had two people ask me have I ever wanted two boyfriends because <laughs> because you remember that situation I told you about um, right. like a few months ago I was dealing with those two people Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about it myself too because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. I was like, you know, I, I could, I could see myself having two boyfriends. I right. really could, um, just because like they offered different things for me, but not in a way where like I, I'm putting one person over the other person. Like right. it's, it's like a, a mutual feeling, and I think it is possible because I've seen, I've seen like stories of uh, women having. Um, multiple male partners and it, it worked out for them in that aspect but it's not right. often being portrayed in the media at all and I think it's something that people think is not possible because they think that it is so male focused mm-hmm. and male centered but uh, I think anything is possible I have shit I was, that was something I was really heavily considered. I'm like, hmm, because I, I had two people ask me, and one of them, and one of the people I told you about asked me that. Wow. Like, okay. It was like, um, have you ever thought about like having two boyfriends, like, or have you ever wanted to have two boyfriends? And I think part of me, because I, I know like how sometimes male ego can get, like, part of me wants to just like soothe and just be like, no, like you know. No, that's that's not the case and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But then, like, I think that inner desire to have like multiple male partners was like, hmm, that would be interesting to you know kind of have that because I felt like you know I was kind of in that type of situation, but not necessarily um, sexual with one of the people, but just definitely getting the things that I needed from it, um, the resources. Like I think, like you mentioned, like it, it um, 
you know, in olden times, like, you know, that was something that was definitely heavily practiced. Uh, and I think out of resources too, because it just pro- like the, you know, provided more resource. And I think that's probably where like the male centered or focused like came from because the, the man is like the provider, the protector and stuff. So, right. Yeah. Um, having multiple women like they feel more safe secure they're taken care of they have like additional resources to be able to uh you know carry out their their lives but now we um but i also heard too like in back in the day like there's also been in reverse like you know women having multiple partners but it wasn't like something that's often portrayed yeah like Cleopatra. It is, it is out there. yeah yeah you know right right it's right yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Nice. It's, it's a, it's a. I feel like it's a, a way of life that if it works for you, it works for you. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like society makes a lot of things taboo. Yeah. But I feel like you can't get everything that you want in one partner. Mm-hmm. So you either have to get it in your friends or get it from you know your hobbies. Um, or you can have multiple partners to kind of solve the problem. So um, I think it's all about your expectations as well. What do you expect from one person? Yeah, um, I agree. Because I think like have putting all of your expectations into one person to be your everything mm-hmm. is very, it's, it's too much pressure. It's too right. much pressure on that person because if they fuck up or do anything outside of your expectation of your or your ideal of them then it's like you're ruined like the relationship is ruined there's no trust there's this this is like you know instead of just appreciating your partner for their authentic selves um you know most of the time we try to find people who compliment us or i think our at least i think so but <laughs> you know in the in finding somebody that compliments you, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily everything. Like, they, you know, they have to fulfill every role for you right. because that's tiring, that's pressuring, and that person has their own individual life that they, you know, have to tend to themselves, their own purpose. And, you know, we have to look at people as individuals and not as just, like, property and just, like, okay, like, you know, you have to fulfill all of these needs and that, you know, that's that can't the case that and that that oftentimes leads to some of that uh dysfunction and stuff too so mm. I, I agree I, I definitely think like finding um other sources whether like you said like it's friends and that's what you know I wanted up doing and I, I tried to be honest like with my partner about that too like mm. hey you know um I get this 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 from this person and I get this 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 from you and, you know, I'm not saying that you're a bad partner. And I think that's what he took it as, like, that, that ego kind of, like, came in the way. And I was trying to tell him, I was like, you know, you can't, I can't expect you to be everything from me because that's too much pressure on you and vice versa. I wouldn't want you to expect me to be everything. And you can have all, as many relationships with your friends as you want to. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and deny that for you because like whatever you get from those relationships is what you get from it. And that's something that, you know, like we tend to, um, be different with different people, like, you know, Mm. um, so. Right. Okay. Okay. The male ego. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about, um, masculinity and femininity. Well, what do you think are are the definitions of both? 
Like what what traits? I think well like with um like divine femininity, like you have like being receptive, the nurturing, the caring, the uh just overall just I don't, I don't want to say feminine, but lack of <laughs> word, but just like you know, you just have you just have that like that essence. And then whereas like uh the masculine is more divine masculine is more action oriented, like more uh just I would say I would say more action oriented. I would definitely say um the masculine is more um uh I'm trying to like describe like this dominant. <laughs> Yeah, dominant. I would definitely say dominant. I would definitely um, say that the masculine is just, um, I don't even know how to describe the masculine. It's just the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how would you describe the masculine? Because it's like I have the words, but I don't think I'm trying to use them in the right way. Right, right. Yeah, I'd say femininity is, is like nurturing beauty um nature um there's so many there's so many words that could describe it like um being more submissive caring you know and then masculinity is more the being assertive action orientated um that having direction, focus, you know, whereas the feminine might be more um, spread out, you know, everywhere. Like, it's like a, I don't know, like a starburst, whereas uh, the masculine would just be like a gun. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see that. And I, I think, like, both complements uh, each other, like, very well. Right. Like, when you know, there is some type of uh, balance, but, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people have that, <laughs> that um, balance when it, when it comes to it sometimes. And um, right. I think it could be harmful in a way. Yeah. Cause obviously if you're, so you have two different balances, you have the balances within yourself and the balances with other people in your relationships. Exactly. Um, so if you don't have the balance internally, um then there's gonna be you know issues um would you say that you've had to learn anything about masculinity or femininity for yourself yes (laughs) (laughs) yes like um i think i think the sometimes I, i and i really had to like get out of my head about this but i didn't i never really realized the masculine traits that I project out there, especially um, and sometimes in relationships and stuff, it will really like be pronounced. And when I mean like masculine traits, more so the um, just trying to be more of the, (laughs) and it is crazy because I'm just realizing all this stuff now, not now, but just like as the the shadow work that I I described to you that I was like doing and how um, a lot of the 
trauma, the male-centered trauma in my family's generation and stuff kind of like plays onto me where I feel like I have to uh, kind of be that that more dominating person in a relationship, more, having to um, be more assertive and not really like stand into like my divine femininity because out of mm. like hurt and trauma and like the the experience that I've dealt with like with men and always um trying to chase after something like you know that's not what I'm supposed to do like that's that's not me at all so I feel like that um in a way that that presented itself a bit more in um my relationship versus like having that that feminine aspect of it which you know now I'm like trying to be more receptive of it and more um just showing it more and trusting it because Mm -hmm. it's like the the my masculine was protecting my feminine to the point where it doesn't work in relationships with men because you can't have two masculines you know working against like you know it's always going to be a clash and that's what I was experiencing a lot of clash like yeah there would be times where I would like soften up and um and you know my my feminine energy would like come out more, but then like once something happens, then automatically like masculine to the rescue. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like it was it was used as a as a coping mechanism, but it didn't work for me. It doesn't work for me in in the type of partner that I I'm looking for at all. Right. So like you know it has to be some type of change with that, and I think. Um, even even though sometimes like uh, Kevin Samuels get on my nerves with his delivery, but he, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with the things that he say. I don't disagree with things that he say. Like you know, um, I, I tend to think that women do take on the masculine traits because we had to. You know, like the black family especially was broken up. So when they tear the black man out of the picture and this is just speaking to like heterosexual relationships like i'm not talking about any same sex stuff like um mm-hmm. so just to be clear like i don't want to like because i feel like it's a difference but um mm-hmm. but you know tearing that head of the household out um putting them in a position that you know they're in where you know they're not seen as masculine they're not being heard they're not being seen they're not being um revered as important as we think they are so when you get and that that in terms had the women to develop these masculine traits to complement like their feminine energy to be able to take care of a household to raise kids to you know work all these jobs to do all of this make more money and all that so it's like when you finally do get somebody that um have those masculine traits that can step up to the plate and stuff like it's like women you know we don't know how to act and it just tends to you know, like I said, that masculine trait, it doesn't work. It just continues like to clash in that way. We're not being, um, we're not diving into our feminine energy. We're not bringing that out. We're not being receptive. We're not, you know, just, yeah, we have, we feel like we got to be everything. Okay. Shout out the CIA and the FBI or to Kevin Samuels. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like, um, would you say different men bring out more femininity in you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I, I, I would say that, yeah, the ones that, you know, are really on their shit, meaning like they um, provide for you in whatever aspect that is, like they protect you, they, you know, uh, can. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is that security aspect of it. If I can feel like secure within the relationship and uh, provided for like my needs are being uh, taken care of and stuff, then yeah, like I'm open, like, you know, I, I, my feminine energy like spews out and like okay like I could be my most soft and vulnerable self I can be like you know I I could be free to to feel like how I want to feel because mm-hmm. I, I do have that and in return like you know I'm offering that um that nurturing aspect that caring that I'm listening to you I'm you know doing whatever it is I'm catering I'm you know because I, I love to be submissive to men like you know I love taking care of my man and and you know, in return, I get taken care of too. Like it's the exchange Spain, in that way. Right. Yeah. So I, I think with the right person that does provide the, the security, the um, the more action oriented, the protection, the providing. I think that you know it 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 has me to let my guards down um, in regards to having to always protect myself and. Um, you know, provide for myself and my needs and stuff like that. Like it just, you know, it's like, okay, I'm cool. Like it, I can just be. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I feel like once, when, when you're aligned with each other in terms of the, the dance of the masculine and feminine, like it's, it's, it's very powerful. Like the type of relationships you can have with yourself that you learn about yourself. Um, is very important. Yeah, I agree. Now, now I'm at the point where before, you know, of course, I, I mentioned like, you know, using that masculine energy as like a, you know, coping and stuff. Now, since diving more into my feminine energy, like I'm, um, and then being single at that too, it's not like um, I have to be partnered to feel like that. Like I'm trying not to right. feel like that at all. Like I have to be. Uh, partner but like just getting that energy from different places whether it's like my male friends whether it's strangers and stuff because I've noticed before that I I would tend to do a lot of things on my own and not ask for help at all and um I've learned especially uh from one of my male relationships that I have like um I learned to just lean into it like to ask for help to let men open the door for me even if I don't know them to you know if they act because I, I be asked like I be carrying a lot of stuff you know I, um, I carry a lot of art shit around and stuff like that <laughs> right. and I'm used to it I'm used to it I'm used to hauling this big stuff around like you know it's not a thing to me but now I've been more receptive of help and letting men just do things for me. Like, I'm not saying no to, like, you want you want to carry this shit to my car? Okay. Like, you know, and I don't have to carry nothing. <laughs> like, right. you know, I'm, I'm starting to, like, find ways to uh, just accept that masculine energy just from uh, different avenues of uh, people and not just, um, and, you know, not being afraid to ask for help and stuff. Uh, so that that's something that I feel like I pat myself on the back with because I always tend <laughs> to, to right. just like do everything on my own, but just kind of finding it in other areas as a single person too. Okay, okay. 
Um, you know, I wanted to I wanted to ask, what is the greatest lesson that you learn in relationships? The greatest. Wow. That's a or lot the, of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I learned so much. Um top two. Okay, I would say I I would say self-love. That that's a big thing. And I think it's real easy to just throw that term out there, like self-love, self-love and stuff. But what what does it really mean to just love yourself? And I think really getting to know yourself, the things that you like, you don't like, all of that general stuff. But also diving deep into like your shadow work, your your, um, subconscious and Mm -hmm. loving yourself throughout that. Because we tend to put our best foot forward in a lot of different situations. Like, you know, if you even think of social media, like people just tend to put their um, best versions of themselves onto social media and mm-hmm. they hide the, the ugliness behind right. them. I think self-love is really embracing that ugliness and being okay with yourself to the point where, okay, I acknowledge this about myself. Now I finally moved it from like my subconscious to my consciousness. And now I can like try to make different choices because I think things just boil boils down to choices that we make. And, um, and I think that that self-love piece was something really hard because yes, I love all the good things about me. I can like, you know, say a, a million good things about myself, but like the bad stuff, you know, right. I, I don't show people and stuff. And, and, you know, it's not, to say that I'm like such a perfect person, I don't want to like portray that, but like to be my authentic self and loving myself regardless of the the good and the bad, um, had to had a lot to to do with it uh, in relationships because I feel like without that self awareness piece, then you're susceptible to just anything in relationships. Like you could be in the controlling relationships where where you have somebody that dictates your your life and um in that way or like be abusive because you don't um value yourself or really understand your power or just get into situations where it's not healthy for you but the more like you know about yourself the more um boundaries you can like set healthy boundaries that you can set with people in a way where it's not harmful to you and that you're constantly being hurt by the same person um, but saying manipulative person or whatever the case may be, like you, you have the awareness, like you, you realize like, okay, this is the type of person I attract because, you know, I, there's something within myself that's like saying that I deserve this type of person. Right. Well, what is that? You gotta, now you gotta like do some introspection and look back and see like, okay, what's going on? Why do I keep thinking I deserve this? Mm-hmm self-esteem like you know you feel like you don't deserve any anybody better you only should just put up with this one person that's just abusing you and stuff like I really think our partners are uh, a mirror of our you know ourselves and you know when you are in these like abusive relations not to say that you purposely like put yourself in that that space but like um we stay why like do you feel like yeah. you deserve it like what what's to that like outside of mm-hmm. like of course like resources and stuff sometimes it sometimes like uh somebody may not have anything but just like just diving deep and just wondering like 
asking more like what's to it like this can't just be what life gives and it's, it's like billions of people running this world not everybody is like the same person you keep attracting so why do i keep attracting the, same, the person? same person right mm-hmm. okay okay what's your thoughts on it um and what's your biggest takeaway from relationship <laughs> my biggest takeaway from relationships um one is definitely you have to work on yourself first you'll never be perfect but you need to you need to you need to understand your how you work and how you can be better you know um and then the second takeaway would be all women are mad um so <laughs> what? wait how did you get that lesson <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm playing. Um, no, um, I, I would say the second lesson is that you need to understand how to have empathy and, you know, connect with person on an emotional level. Like there's always this kind of trope or stereotype of the you know, detached male, you know, he's not giving you any emotional energy. Um, And I feel like you need to be able to understand your partner's emotions or even if it's somebody that you're casually dating, you need to be able to understand people's emotions and, you know, not take them for granted, not, you know, abuse your position of power, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think those are the two lessons that I'd, I'd take away. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about all women are mad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, no. what you do to make them mad? No, (laughs) (laughs) that's true. That's true. Um, No, I feel like that's that's an aspect of femininity where you can tap into your emotions, but sometimes you might not be able to control them. Yeah. Emotional regulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously the masculine is all about just being centered, being centered. Um, and not sometimes not allowing your emotions to sway you. So mm. it's it's the balance, you know. You need to you need to be emotional but also have your brain working at the same time. Okay, but do you do you think like so I feel like men have a um have troubles with expressing themselves like do you think that has something to do with it like with trying to just um I guess I guess like I don't know what I'm trying to say I'm really trying to get at like I I feel like even women put this on men too like you know that they can't have emotions and stuff and that that tends to um show out in in different ways or different behaviors and stuff right. like anger like that you know they can't express themselves any other way but like some some type of anger or frustration when yeah, you know yeah. that's not the case but we just don't allow men we don't give men that space to be vulnerable and stuff because of society and um and how we quote unquote think like a man should act and behave and stuff and um and I really think that's kind of sad because I, yeah. I, I can only imagine having that like pent up feelings of whatever it is you know mm-hmm. um, that you're dealing with not being able to have like a, a way to express it in a way that's like healthier conducive to the, the person right 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 
Yeah, like I feel like with men, you're not, you're not, um, or you're told that it's not good to express your emotions. You know, you're told to suck it up. Like right. I remember at my dad's funeral, like I must have started shedding some tears. And my uncle said to me, never show anybody that you're, you're weak. And I was just mm. thinking like, this is, that was terrible timing. You know, like I, I, if I'm not allowed to cry at my dad's funeral, where, where, when am I allowed to cry? Are you trying to say that I'm not allowed to express sadness? You know, it doesn't, or you're only allowed to express sadness behind closed doors. Right. You know, so I feel like with men, we need to learn how to, you can't, you can't show your emotions to everybody because some people will take advantage of you. Uh, but finding your support support network and being able to express your emotion to them like yo I'm feeling sad today because this happened or maybe I don't even know why I'm feeling sad you know I'm just feeling sad um, and being able to communicate so I feel like it's important to be able to communicate your emotions as a man so that it doesn't get pent up and you explode um, right. I've definitely been uh, somebody that's exploded because they've not expressed normally you know yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you you think a lot of um fear has to do with that because like it's been told from you to you by like older men and just like and in general like when you're with friends um if they're like friends that um aren't like in tune with their emotions and they kind of say the same thing like oh suck it up or like you know give some other type of trivial advice like is, is that like do you think it has something to do with fear? Like, are men uh, fearful of being vulnerable to other men? Yeah, you, you fear how you're going to be perceived. Nobody wants to be seen as weak, you know? But I feel like it's more weak to have... Like, pain is weakness leaving the body, so you need to allow it to come out, you know? So, mm. yeah, like, I think it's very important to not allow people's perception of you to sway you, you know? So it's a balance. It's a balance. Like, you don't need to show everybody every single emotion. Sometimes you do cry cry to yourself, mm -hmm. but sometimes you can do it in front of people. You need to know who you're with, basically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you can feel, yeah. like, safe and supportive in your time of, like, needing expressing your vulnerability. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot. It um, is. I, I feel like we could talk forever. Um, <laughs> let's get on to the final segment. I have a few questions for you. Okay. A few more questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, sex, marry, kill. Who? Oh, they can just... <laughs> Like, you giving me some people? Yeah, I'm going to give you some people. Okay, okay. Um, Steve Harvey, Dr. Umar Johnson, or Kevin Samuels? Oh, my God. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? You have a choice in that? <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, okay. Uh... Okay. Do I have to give a rationale? Because I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't worry. Okay, okay. I will say... Okay, I, I will say 
kill Steve Harvey, <laughs> uh, marry Dr. Umar, and um, have been sex with Kevin Samuels. <laughs> I got you in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, uh, Kevin Samuels kind of attractive, so shit. I don't want to see what that do. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> he got uh, as much game as he be talking on his YouTube. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. And okay, um, D'Angelo, Michael B. Jordan, Kendrick Lamar. Oh man, I don't want to kill any of them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, okay, okay. I would say, I would say Mary, um, dang. Okay, Sex with D'Angelo. Okay. Uh, I, I think just because his music. Right. <laughs> um, if it was like 90s D'Angelo, especially like. Definitely yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you him in his prime. Right. Um. I guess I would say Mary, uh, Kung Fu Kenny. Okay. And I guess I would kill Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> Only just because I'm not sure where his mindset is at. At least like with with Kendrick, I can hear it in his music and know what, what he be talking about. But Right. Okay, okay. I hear you. I hear you. Um, and lastly, what do the next three years look like for you? Ooh. So next three years. Um, so I will be done with school within a year. So um, definitely practicing being a, a therapist. So a practicing therapist. Excited for that. Um, also expanding my business of Unladylike. So just outside of Chicago, because right now we're just based in Chicago. But me and my business partner, uh, we're looking to expand to other states. Um, I want to relocate. Hopefully, maybe to Arizona. Okay, that's one of the, the places that I, I've been really like considering. So, um, oh, just a state where weed is legal and the weather is nice <laughs> and the cost <laughs> of living is not like too expensive, like you know California. But definitely just um, relocating and expanding the business out that way. Like the lifestyle that I'm trying to create for myself is more of a, a liberating one in the sense that I don't want to work for anybody. So I don't see myself like working for anybody for too much longer uh, just to, you know, of course, to get my my license. Uh, you know, I got to do that type of work. But ultimately, I want to bring my practice. I'm going to open my own private practice within um, they do like and offer therapeutic services uh, <clears throat> that way. Also, franchising Unladylike as well, too, at least the, the painting portion of it and being able to, like, travel to different um, locations to teach, to do groups or whatever. Because I'm, I'm really into, even though I like individual therapy, I think I really like group therapy more and just working right. with groups of people um, because I like to facilitate those, like, communal, that communal healing that you could get and just like have that extra support. So I do see myself like leading more groups. Also with the uh, research assistant, um, since I'm helping my mentor with that as well, she is working on a book. So I will be um, 
um, a co-author on that. Like I'm helping her with that. So um, just doing more presentations with that, like going across to different conferences and presenting on uh, Black sexual liberation, especially in regards to to Black women. Um, So just doing the work that way, uh, promoting more healthy relationships, um, you know, doing that shadow work, getting deepened down and ugly within you know ourselves and stuff and just really promoting that healing and hopefully like a shift in the way people um, work with each other in their relationships so that's uh, something I I see myself in the next three years and traveling too definitely like more traveling Mm -hmm. like for pleasure and for work as well so like I told myself after I graduate next year like I'm gonna take a, a month or two and be in Bali or something <laughs> right. and just like enjoy like you know um you know I, I like to incorporate pleasure in every aspect of my life so you know I, I'm not trying to be out here um suffering and, and doing the work because that's not fun like I really enjoy what I'm doing so I love everything I'm doing even though sometimes it can be stressful um but it, it's all for a reason it's for a purpose it's you know something that I was called to do and it was funny too, like I had uh, a reading done, like this was a couple of years ago before I got into therapy and she didn't know that I had like applied for this program and stuff. But when she read my um, birth chart, uh, that's what she told me that my calling was to to uh, work with, to master relationships. And I thought that was crazy because mm. I started to realize that myself when I you know started to see the, the families that I was working with see the dysfunction there and wanted to get into therapy and um do couples work and stuff like that so when she said that that was a confirmation for me so you know just in it myself just learning through my experiences and and also learning to let go of relationships too because you know mastering doesn't always mean you have to hold on to every relationship sometimes you have to learn to like let go and I'm in that season right now where I'm like learning to like let go of certain situations so I can be open to to new ones that come up. So mm-hmm. okay, okay. Um yeah as I said we could talk forever. Obviously I'ma get you on again. You are yeah. the first interview, you know, so yeah. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. I feel so honored. I feel blessed. I feel grateful. No I'm definitely excited to, to see this grow, your yes. podcast grow. Yes, yes. It's going to grow. It's going to grow. So where can people find you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Deja, D-E-J-A dot Jovan, J-O-V-O-N. Or you can go to my website, DejaJovan.com. And again, it's Jovan with two O's, not an A, because some people want to throw that A in there. It's not an A. So yeah, you can find me there. Perfect. And you can find me at K the Infinite. Well, if you're watching this, you probably can find me quite easily. <laughs> um, and find me at um, theinfiniteman101.com and yeah more to come more to come so yeah. thank you all for watching and um, hope to hope to see you soon thank you yes people that was episode one of the infinite man podcast with Deja Javon and 
I hope you took a lot from that. We went very deep. Um, a lot of powerful topics in there. So make sure you like, subscribe, follow, all that good jazz. And yeah, let's keep it moving. Peace out until next time. Infinite out.